Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits, my friends. Good to have you tuning in today. I'm always thankful uh, that you take time to listen to uh, Mavericks and Misfits podcast. Um, if you're new to the podcast, I want you to know that all of the archived um, episodes, I think we're around 150-something, I don't even know anymore, but um, they are able to be accessed either if you want to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you want to uh, listen to them off of um, a PC or a computer or Mac or whatever, you can go to maverickmisfit.com. It's a very simple page. All it is is um, kind of a hi, how are you kind of thing at the top, and then a long list, an archived um uh, episodes that we've done on Mavericks and Misfits and uh, wherever you are if you're a first-time listener if you've been with us the whole time I'm just thankful to be able to speak into your life a little bit and I uh, hope you are doing well um, while you're listening to this Amy and I are up in South Carolina we are visiting uh, Morningstar Ministries there with Chris Reed we had um, I, some of you probably saw it but Amy got a I mean just ridiculously pinpoint accurate word of knowledge uh, from Chris Reed back in the first week of January when we were at a conference there. And um, I don't have time to go into it, but um, it was just stunning. He literally called out our address of the home we had just left and got the street number, talked about Peacock, and we lived on Peacock Lane. And then he spoke prophetic words over Amy about being a Deborah. And um, then we, you know, he talked about a collision and um, damaged right leg and all of that stuff is just Amy, 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 Amy. And um, so we got to connect with him after that because he was interested because Amy got, <laughs> I'll use the term, she got spiritually wrecked. Um, the Lord just moved on her for about two or three hours after that word. And he was aware of some of it. And so he, we connected with him up there. And so anyway, he, he reached out recently and just asked Amy if she wouldn't mind coming up and being interviewed. He felt led of the Lord to kind of talk to her on camera. And so uh, we're doing that right now while you're listening. And um, man, just this past Sunday, this is kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Um, this past Sunday, uh, we relaunched the church that I, I, I lead, which is uh, has been formally called Church at Winder. You won't hear me use that phrase anymore. And the reason why is because um, we are now uh, under a new name. And I'm going to talk to you about that whole concept of when God changes a name. We see it many times in Scripture. And um, we have known probably for a little over a year that God was initiating a new name to Church at Winder. Um, and the reason is because um, there are seasons in the life of a church. And Church at Winder was planted by some loving, adventurous kingdom people um, 40, 40 years ago. And it was in the city of Winder, Georgia. And later they moved to Bethlehem, Georgia. But they kept the name. It was Church at Winder, even though it wasn't in Winder. And so there was always a bit of a misnomer. But uh, Church at Winder was um, a group of people that did community and faith family very well. Uh, loved each other. It was a very tight-knit group of people for decades. Um, some that were children were still there when I came in um, as a lead pastor a couple of years ago and you know they're in their 40s now and so it was a group of people that really found a great community and um I'll, I'll say you know just kind of honestly with finding no fault because i think the mission of church at winder was to be be that to be a close-knit group of people in a city to take care of one another and it's a very pastoral driven model of church and uh, they've had a couple of great pastors true 
um, fivefold pastoral leaders that their office would have been pastoral. And so they did an amazing job at taking care of one another, loving one another, trying to provide safe environments for one another. But if I can be candid, there wasn't a whole lot of mission. Uh, the, the church remained fairly small and there wasn't much that I've found in the history of the church that was about advancing, uh, the kingdom. It was more just a local church. And quite honestly, I think that there, there, there can be some legitimate grounds for that, especially in decades gone by. Um, but the model that the church had become was not what the Lord sent me to church at Winder to facilitate. Um, there was a clear, clear shift. And when they brought me on board, I told them, um, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. Um, I'm much more of an apostolic teacher and prophetic leader, but um, I will form teams and we will um, make sure that we, we shepherd the flock of God. But I'm, I'm not the guy you want in your hospital room when, you know, you're having your gallbladder removed or, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best guy to, to look to for, you know, in-depth, long-term counseling. That's just not the way the Lord's wired me. I don't have grace for that. And so they accepted that. They said, no, we want to impact our, our county and our city. And so we made a good go of it at the beginning. But what eventually happened, and I know this is a little bit rambling and long, but I'm giving you some background because it's coming to why we changed the name. Um, what eventually happened is I think the best way I could say it is, is these people that really, really do love the Lord, they saw the church growing and expanding and becoming something other than what it had been for so long. And uh, for whatever reason, it just didn't sit well with some of them. And so they moved on to different places. And um, it was it was sad. It was kind of hard for them. I think it was I know it was hard for me. And there was some misunderstanding. And you just know how those things goes. But, you know, um, we, we bless them in the name of the Lord. They're in a, a good church. Most of them ended up in one church and uh, with um, an opportunity to do what they feel called to do. And I'm happy for them. But as for you, me, you know, I, I've got a mandate on my life from the Lord to do what he called me to do and assigned me to do at what was formerly called the church at Winder. And so we've spent the last um, year plus uh, working diligently at establishing a true framework of um, our, our assembly, our, our local church, becoming a house of prayer. Um, and we pray, we have two, uh, established times of corporate prayer, prayer every week. We're looking to add to those. One is a four hour session on Tuesdays from 4 PM to 8 PM. And then the other one is Sunday mornings from, um, nine to 10 AM before service begins. And our goal is just to make sure that we are seeking the Lord and ministering to the Lord. And we're also training and equipping for true fivefold ministry, not some gimmick, not some advertising slogan. Hey, we're a fivefold church, but we're actually doing it. Uh, we're raising up and equipping and training um, fivefold leaders with the ultimate goal is to go and send these teams out, fivefold teams, to go out and start new works. And so that was a long, you know, five minutes of me telling you where we've been and what we've done. And there's so much backstory and supplemental stuff I could have said. But the bottom line is this Church at Winder no longer was Church at Winder because Church at Winder was a group of people. It was, it was a group of people. It wasn't a place. It was a group of people. The group of people met at a place. And just like a lot of stuff in America, you know, the place becomes the, the, the kind of thing that we see visibly. But a church is always a people. And when that group of people who had um, poured their lives into Church at Winder moved on, Church at Winder left. And so we had about a nine-month period where we realized that the name of the church no longer represented what the the ecclesia, the called out people there on that property now were. 
And so we prayed and prayed and sought the Lord. And we began, as we began teaching, God began defining what the mission of our church is and what we're supposed to do and who we are. And we believe that the name of a church should include two things, who you are and why you are. Who is this church and why is this church? And the word church in our culture just, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it doesn't mean much anymore. I mean, it really doesn't because church doesn't, the word church doesn't define anything other than a group of called out people who meet in a location, it says nothing of their purpose. And so we wanted our church name to identify who we are and why we are. And so we've chosen the name Antioch Outpost. And the reason why is the church at Antioch, if you look in the book of Acts chapter 11 and 13, primarily, you're, you're going to find uh, that the church at Antioch was the first church that uh, moved in a plurality of leadership with prophets and apostles and teachers and evangelists were there too. And shepherds, of course, would have been there. But you see them very missionally focused. So they were a church that did life together. That's the core group of the core foundation of a local church. You're called to a place and a people that you enter into covenant with. You minister, you take care of one another. And they're the home base. A lot of amazing and good stuff happens. Every church ought to have that. It's relational. It's organic. It's intentional. But but it's highly relational. We are a group of people knit together by the blood of Jesus, and we are a local church. But the missional aspect of it needs to be important too. And so the church in Antioch identified what type of church we would be, that we would use a plurality of leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, commonly known as fivefold ministry, um, and that we would do the second part, which is do what they did at Antioch, which they sent forth people and teams to establish new works. And uh, the Lord laid the word outpost on my heart back in um, October of last year. And I just began hearing outpost, outpost. So I studied out what that meant and um, found that an outpost is a contingent, a representative contingent uh, in a military sense from the main squadron or the main platoon. And they send out a representation to go to a border area to, um, kind of nail down and secure a border or to advance territory or to crush the enemy. But they're a representative contingent that are sent forth from the main group to go and advance and to quite frankly, fight and to go out and take territory and destroy and drive back the enemy. And so when we thought long and hard about it, prayed for months, fasted, prayed, and um, a short time ago, I submitted to our leadership team, this is what I feel like the Lord uh, wants our new name to be. And they all gave input, and we came to a unanimous agreement that we would be called Antioch Outpost. And our goal will be to um, literally to plant um, outposts, other outposts, home groups, house churches, and probably some churches with buildings um, that we will uh, wait on the Lord to provide the means to be able to do that. But we want to advance territory. We want to do things God's way. And whereas I'm all about the local church, I've committed my life to the local church. Um, and I don't have any plans never to do that. I want to be a local church guy. I love doing life with people and seeing people awaken to their callings, step into their callings, and then to have the privilege as a church family to send them out. Maybe it's the foreign field. Maybe it's a county down the road. Maybe it's someplace in America where there aren't 50 churches within, you know, five miles of each other. And so those are the outposts that we're thinking about. And so we're excited about it. This is a new season for us. And, uh, 
you know, if you're interested in coming by, come, I can say it officially now, come to Antioch Outpost. As of two days ago, that's our new name. We're working on uh, rebranding and all the website and the signage and all that stuff that you just have to do. But uh, that's who we are, and God's doing a great work. We're seeing the power of God, the power of the kingdom of God um, coming. And I think for a lot of people, this is a season where you need to be analyzing what's going on in your local church. Because I love, man, I love the fact that churches take care of each other. I want, I want to be a part of a church where people love each other and pastor and shepherd and take care of each other. But man, if you're not careful, that you can, can become so insular. You can become so inwardly focused that you forget that there's this thing called the Great Commission. That we're supposed to go out and make disciples and teach them everything that the Lord has commanded them to do. We're actually supposed to win souls to Jesus Christ. We're supposed to evangelize, preach the gospel, teach the word of God. And we're supposed to do it not just insular within our house, but with a purpose to move outward. And um, like literally casting out demons, that's part of the mandate on the church and healing the sick. You know, all of the stuff that churches have somehow relegated to, oh yeah, that was the old church, that was the Bible church, but we're different now. Well, you're not going to find the foundation for that kind of teaching anywhere in scripture that we're to be doing the same thing that they were doing in the first century. And a lot of churches aren't. And what we've done is we've become, you know, a little bit of country clubs and Hey, just come to our building. Let's, you know, sip on our drinks and, um, hang out in our, you know, super cool areas. And we, we got everything you want and we'll take care of you. And we got some for your kids. we got something for your teenagers. we got this program. we got that program. Now, if those programs are serving the Great Commission and serving the, the purposes of the kingdom, I'm all for it. But if those programs are meant to be attractional so that people come and keep coming and give and stay there and make the leaders feel good about what they're doing and there's no outflow, then that's not the will of God. That's an incomplete church. And so what we've got to do is we've got to recognize that until we are advancing the kingdom from our local churches, until we're ministering to the Lord in prayer, until fasting, praying, listening for the voice of the Lord, then obeying what he says, until that is happening, then we're not done yet reforming the church in America. And um, if you're in a place where you feel like, um, you know, it's just hard for me to say, but I've just been saying it a lot in the last year because I feel the urgency on it. If you're literally in a church where the leadership, it all hinges on leadership. If they're not going to become kingdom minded, if they have no interest in being a praying church, like it's not important to them. If they, they're just literally attractional, meaning come to our building, join in these things that we're doing. If it's been consumerized and there's no outflow, no great commission, no sacrifice, no risk, no, um, you know, waiting on the word of the Lord and then obeying it radically. If that's not happening in your leadership and you know that it's not going to happen, it's time for you to find a new church. And, and I, I hate saying that there's a part of me that cringes to say that, but honestly, I think it's right that if there is no way you've talked to your leaders or you can't talk to your leaders and there's nothing kingdom minded that is clearly going to happen there you need to get reconnected to a kingdom minded church and there are there are some right here in metro atlanta where um you know i'm living and there more than likely are some somewhere near you and if there aren't you need to start one <laughs> you can do it you may not end up being the long-standing primary leader maybe you're not called to primary leadership but i'm going to tell you if there's a need in your community for a kingdom-minded church or an outpost i'm, I'm just going to use that word 
where we are sent from heaven as an outpost locally. And then from that local outpost, your home base, you send out teams to start advancing the gospel. That's what the Lord is wanting people to recognize and do right now. And if you can't do that where you are, then it's chances are you're going to spiritually stagnate. And uh, time, my friends, oh my goodness, time is like the most precious commodity we have. And we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And so um, I have thought uh, so much about, you know, what, what means, what does it mean when God changes uh, the name of a person or in our case, a church? Do you know, do you, have you ever done like a, a study on what your own name means? We did that, of course, when our kids were, you know, about to be born. We thought long and hard and prayed about names, and we chose Alicia and we chose Landon. And um, I like name meanings. I think they're significant. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, you may not know this, but in um, the Book of Revelation, chapter number two, um, Jesus makes a declaration that those who overcome, those who endure those who live faithfully for him. He's talking about believers. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about the elect. He's talking about the chosen of the Lord, the, the saved, the born again. He's talking about you probably if you're a Christian and I'm assuming you are. Um, he said that um, when we endure until the end, this little mysterious enigmatic statement that he makes in Revelation 2.17, he says, um, to the one who overcomes, I'm going to give some of the hidden manna and I'm not even going to talk about that today because that's an entirely different topic. But then he says this, he says, and, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that nobody knows except the one who receives it. And a lot of scholars believe that, that this white stone that has the new name on it is actually the, the, the name by which you will go for all of eternity, that you, you're going to get a new name in your glorified state. And, um, I think that that's awesome. And one of the reasons why I personally think it's often awesome is because I'm right now, my name, the name that my parents gave me, it doesn't really match my identity. And so years and years ago, I did a search on my two names, Jeffrey and Lyle, Jeffrey and Lyle. And when you research those names out, the, <laughs> when you put my first name and last name together, the Lyle means an Island and Jeffrey means peace and tranquility. And so my name means and indicates I'm a person who is an island of peace and tranquility. <laughs> Boy, is that off the mark. Um, typically, when people meet me, they don't think, oh, what a tranquil personality. What a calming influence this man is. Um, so it's a bit of a misnomer for me. I stay in pretty much a stirred up state and, you know, I walk in the room and, um, you know, relaxation leaves. I don't know why that is. It just works that way. And uh, so my name doesn't match my identity. And so when I read Re Revelation 2.17, I'm thinking, I believe that that white stone with a new name on it is going to be the name by which um, I and all Christians, you'll get yours and others will get theirs, that, that will be given a new name by God, by Jesus himself. And I just think that's awesome. Now, you may think that's a stretch. I, I don't know why, and, and I'd be happy to hear what your thoughts are on Revelation 2.17 when he's going to give us a white stone with our new name written on it that only we will know. Um, I, I'm happy to listen to you on that, but I'm, I've already explained what I think it is. And the reason why is because God changed people's names all the time in Scripture. I'm going to give you a couple of them. Do you remember in Genesis 32 when Jacob was given his new name? He, he would no longer become, be called Jacob. 
he wrestled with the Lord. He wrestled with the Son of God in the form of the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32, wrestled with him, and the, the Lord Jesus, it was a pre-incarnate um, experience of Jesus Christ. It means that was before Jesus became Jesus. The Son of God took upon forms in the Old Testament at times, and this one was an angel of the Lord that wrestled with Jacob. And Jacob, after the wrestling match, was um, given this new name. And Jacob, which means deceiver, was given the name Israel. And I think that's important because Israel means to have power with God or a prince of God, to have power with God. And so Jacob went from being the deceiver to one who has power with God. And of course, the whole nation of Israel was named after Jacob in his renamed status. And so um, that wrestling match changed Jacob and it gave Jacob a new identity. It gave him a new walk. He walked with a limp after that wrestling match because the Lord touched him in a way that changed his stride. And, um, of course, Jacob went on to be an incredible um, you know, follower of the Lord and one of the patriarchs of the faith. His dad also got a new name. Um, I won't go into it, but Abraham, we know him as Abraham. Abraham was uh, originally called Abram, and so was his mom. His mom, Jacob's mom, was Sarai, who became um, renamed by the Lord Sarah. And then if you go to the New Testament, you've got a couple of occasions like Matthew 16 when Jesus gave Simon the name Peter. We know him as Peter, but his actual name, his birth name was Simon, which means God has heard. And Jesus gave him the, the name Peter, Cephas, which means a, a rock. And so, of course, Peter lived out that identity after Pentecost that he became a rock in the church. And so you've got name changes. Um, you could even go with Barnabas. You, you know, we know the name Barnabas, which is, means son of encouragement, but his, his given name was Joseph. But he was such um, an encourager and helper and somebody that assisted and came alongside others that his name got changed to Barnabas, which means, man, this is the son of consolation. So I'm, I'm asking you to consider these things. Is God reshaping your identity? Is the Lord reshaping? Is he shifting your mission? Is, is the Lord doing something so new and foundationally transformational in your life that it's time, and I'm not telling you to go down to the courthouse and change your name, but I'm, I'm asking you, is, are you operating under the right identity in this season? It's an important question. The name change, when it comes from God, represents a change of identity a change of purpose, a change of direction, a change or a stepping into the fullness of what God has called you to do. And that's why we changed the name of our church. Um, it was not very hard to come to that decision. We are no longer Church at Winder. Church at Winder was an amazing group of people that did incredible stuff for 40 years, but they were no longer there. Our church is about, I don't know if you count kids, around 400 people. It's not huge. Um, I came from a, a much larger church, but when we came to Winder, there were about 125 adults. And now there's probably about 300, and that's after we lost about 100 people. And what we realized is, oh my goodness, this church that's 40 years old, established 40 years ago, 95% of the people that are there have come in the last two years. And when that, that kind of high-level, visible transformation takes place, you would have to hire a bunch of seminary professors to teach you that God wasn't doing something. I mean, it's very clear God is doing something new. 
And the people that were coming in were very much mature and grounded in the faith, um, the vast majority of them, coming to serve with nothing to lose, nothing to prove. And ego wasn't, uh, isn't at our church anymore. And the Lord has purged and cleansed and reframed through a lot of pain, by the way. Uh, he broke the fire out of me. And what I mean by that is, man, I got broken. I got crushed. The Lord allowed the weight of what was happening to crush me. And it was at the end of that crushing, it's just like olives. When, when olives are crushed, that's where the anointing oil comes from. That major component of anointing oil was olive oil. But olive oil is only extracted from the olive when it's crushed. Wine, new wine, is only extracted from the grape when it's crushed. And so we went through the crushing season, and now we're standing in a new anointing and new wine. And uh, the Lord said, it's time for a new name. And so we're modeling it after Antioch because that's the identity. That, and I know that's a very common name, but listen, the Lord reserves the right to repeat himself. And so he gave us the name Antioch, but Outpost was the part where I knew, oh, that's missional. And so anytime anybody asks us, why is it called Antioch Outpost? We're like, glad you asked, because here's what the scriptures say about the mission of a local church. We're a pipe. We're not a bowl. You pour something in a bowl, the bowl holds it. It stays there. You pour something in a pipe, it enters one end and flows out the other into a different place. And so the outpost is to for us to send out people to go and replicate kingdom work. And my hope is that within 12 to 18 months, we will have planted our first outpost you know, with the, you know, the core foundation being authority of the word of God, necessity of the Holy Spirit, ministry in a fivefold paradigm, and intercession as the core component of all that we do. Raising up, identifying leaders, equipping them to do the task, and then releasing them into the work with apostolic oversight, and then eventually releasing those other outposts to become their own free, independent local congregations. And guys, it's happening, and so we're so excited about it, and um, we invite you to come and be a part of it. Now, I'm going to sign off today. One other name I want to give you. I want to give you the name Caneo Ministry Training Center. It's so important that we, um, that we get trained in the gospel, okay? I think that um, the idea that you can get everything you need to grow as a Christian through a Sunday sermon is, is a fallacy. Now, you've got to be motivated. Um, our school, Caneo Ministry Training Center, where you guys know that I serve up there and I teach up there, the fourth-year students, but also serve administratively and as the operations officer there. Um, we're, we're about to open up uh, a special window of registration. We're going to um, cut the registration fee down to $25. That means you can secure your spot at Caneo Ministry Training Center for $25 for the upcoming school year. You can meet us at the Dawsonville campus, which is the main campus, but if you're nowhere near Dawsonville, Georgia, totally fine. You can become an online student or an on-demand student, and we have satellite campuses, 40-plus satellite campuses around America. Uh, we've got one at the Church at Antioch. Um, we are the Bethlehem campus, and that's the city we're in. And um, we, we're at what we've had year one this year, we'll have year one and two next year. But there's campuses all around. So I'm going to direct you to the website, Caneo Ministry Training Center, Caneo MTC, K-I-N-E-O, Caneo MTC. Dot com. If you go to KaneoMTC.com, in these seven days in May, you've got a little bit of time. It's a couple of weeks away. But from May 21st to the 27th, 
um, you're going to, or actually it's the 28th, um, you're going to be able to register for $25. You secure your spot. And then, of course, um, you know, there's a sliding scale tuition for, um, you know, where, where, whatever mode you're, you're going to access the classes. Um, I know people that audit it. They're not interested and they don't have time in doing all of the exams and the quizzes and the tests. This is an actual college, by the way. It's not just some side thing. This is an actual, you earn a degree if you want to. You can get a diploma, you can get a degree, or you can audit, which just means you get access to the classes, but you don't have to take the quizzes or the test. You just don't get a diploma or a degree when you're done. And some people, that's not important and they just want the content so the reason why i'm saying this is guys um you need to be trained and if you're listening you're interested in hosting a campus at um your home church some of you are pastors and leaders at your home church some people may be able to go to their pastors and leaders and say hey look we can have a bible college right here on our campus it does not cost your church a dime we don't franchise this thing. We're not trying to make money off of local churches. What we need from local churches is for you to set up a room, for you to have a computer and you to have a TV that you can stream from your computer to your TV. We do everything else. We handle the quizzes. We handle the grading. We handle the student. We handle the finances. We handle all of it. it pastors don't have to, in essence, that we don't want to put any extra work on pastors. We do all of the heavy lifting. We just say, hey, in your church, is there a room with a TV that can connect to a laptop? And do you have tables for people to sit and take notes at? If you have that in your local church, you can host a Caneo campus. And I really want to encourage you to consider doing that. So go to caneomtc.com. And always, you can reach out to me here, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. If you want to email me with questions, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We'll get you pointed to the right people who will answer all of the specifics. Guys, this is a season where we, the called of God, the church in America, we, we who are born again, filled with the spirit, walking according to the counsel of God. We need to get off our backsides and take some initiative. This is a season in the culture where the aggression of the enemy and those who are aligned with the enemy, they are not asking for permission. They are advancing their agenda while the church is still whining sitting around saying, how come they don't like us? Well, guess what? Those days are over. And the longer churches sit on their hands and don't get engaged, the more territory the enemy's going to take. And it can reach a point where you look around and you're like, oh, we, we, we did not fight when we could have fought. And again, our fighting is not violence. It is not, um, you know, we're not trying to elect a Messiah. You know, I, I'm, I vote, but I am not looking for Washington, D.C., whether Republican, Democrat, or Independent. I'm not looking for them to make the kingdom come. Jesus makes the kingdom come. And he does it through committed, surrendered, sacrificial people who will walk in the identity that God has given them. And, and listen, it happens well when a local church says yes to the Great Commission. That doesn't make their purpose just to have more people sitting in a building once or twice a week. Away with that kind of thinking. It's time to get the salt out of the salt shaker and go and be salt and light in our communities. 
Appreciate you listening today. Thanks for letting me tell a little bit about what's going on in my life. I don't like to do that um, often, but the name change to Antioch Outpost was just such an incredible victory. We're excited about it. Come and visit us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in Bethlehem, Georgia. You can come to our prayer meeting anytime between 4 and 8 p.m. on Tuesday nights. I teach a, a normal Wednesday night, midweek, verse-by-verse teaching, Wednesdays at 6.30. And um, look, God's doing some great things, and I hope you're getting involved in it. And uh, listen, I'm going to sign off for today, but keep tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits, and we will talk to you next time. God bless you. We're happy you were able to tune in today. You can help us reach more people by rating and reviewing Mavericks and Misfits on whatever platform you use to listen to today's podcast. Connect with Jeff on his personal and ministry social media links by visiting transformingtruth.org. Also, feel free to email Jeff with comments or questions at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We will talk to you again next week. Peace.